Tommy Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your Tilo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the low in your Tilo, Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Hello. And we're back after a week off because last week was Thanksgiving and... Uh, it's just not, yeah. In, uh, in our in our opinion, you should take a couple. There should there are a couple weeks out of the it's year. It's nice to take a break where it's yeah. just not worth it. People aren't going to listen no. to our nonsense and Thanksgiving week. Is and usually. we had to start decorating and all that. Well, we had to have. Busy. You may have heard we had two whole Thanksgivings in the right. la- in the last. Um, we went through the whole thing in the last podcast, but I. I cooked until I could cook no more. <laughs> uh, that seemed and I was exhausted when it was done. From you. But here we are two weeks later, and the place is almost, I'd say, 95% decorated, yeah. fully decorated for Christmas, which is amazing for us because when i say 95 percent decorated i mean like My a God. christmas bomb we're talking off. about department store decoration yeah i mean it is decoration. a 10-foot tree there's a huge banner hanging in our dining room like it's <laughs> no. crazy we're trying to like invite as many people over this year as possible because i, I we may have said this during last year's uh, rather depressing Christmas. It was it was depressing for us. We wa- I, we decorated our place. We did our best to still, the yeah. nines, and I can remember constantly walking from one end of this loft to the other, looking at all the pretty things, and it, the whole place was like ready for a party. And I kept having this inner dialogue where I was like, "What is this worth it for? Why why am why I? Are we why did it? we do yeah. this? What is this all here for?" And I kept having to reiterate to myself, and this is something that. Uh, I think gay couples and gay families sometimes have to do as they walk through traditions. They right. have to remind themselves that, no, no, this is ours. This is for this us. Is about you. It's okay yeah, if it's just for somebody. us. Yeah. You know, we, we don't have to have a family of kids or something in order to put out our our Santa I table. I totally agree. <laughs> or should, whatever. It's about you, your celebration. Exactly. You, you, you know, you're celebrating. But even so, this year we were like, people, please come and see all our pretty things. So we're scheduling all these Dinner party, dinner party, yeah. Um, we're we're doing a cookie exchange in. Uh, well, yeah, ne- we do that next weekend. A bunch of family and friends are getting together. Each one of us um, announces what cookie they're doing, and then you do a dozen for everybody participating, and you trade dozens, and you wind up with. It's amazing. We're doing it with seven people, so I will wind up with seven dozen cookies of various varieties, and they will wind up with. Each with a box of our cookies. Yeah, and so. the thing the thing is that when you make the so same we're getting cookie, fat. yeah, when you <laughs> so we're gonna gain twenty pounds. And then. the point is that when you make the same cookie, uh, it's easier and faster. And then, right? I guess I don't mainly. Cook. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, I don't the, bake. I you don't only cook. have to buy one set of ingredients, right, and then just make you know seven dozen cookies, and then you end up with this variety, incredible. Right, uh, and I've been in bigger exchanges than that where there were like ten people participating, and you had to do ten dozen cookies, but. It's fun. It's fun. You get to see your family and and, and we're doing and, a whole lunch and spread and, yeah. for that. So that's right. Be fun. Right. Anyway, those are our holiday plans. But the place looks great. The place looks great. We just finished uh, decorating our second tree. We we I mentioned we have uh, three trees, but two of them are small. The we don't one. really have three trees. Well, the other one, the I ceramic tree. tree yeah, is no, not it's a not tree. A, a ceramic tree. The other one, the black one, uh, with where we put all the lights and candles. And, oh, the metal yeah, tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. but anyway. The main tree is up, and it looks amazing. Yeah, I lost track of our trees. I can't keep track of them. Yeah, hello. All right, listen, we have a lot to talk. I'm sorry, are you? you, No, that's it. So we're almost done. The place looks incredible, and uh, we love it. We love it that way. We do. 
Uh, and we have a lot to talk about today. It is an all-movie talk edition of the PSO, yeah. but I'm really excited to talk about these movies because... There's been an explosion of, of, of screeners in our mailbox. Right, but like I... We're, we're, there are so many movies we, we want to cover, but today we're covering the three. Exactly. Um, I, I feel we have a certain connection to some of them, and right. the, the other one is the one that everyone's talking about this week. So, uh, first movie we're going to review is Being the Ricardos, with Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball and Harvey, Javier Bardem as uh, Desi, Desi Arnaz. <clears throat> and we've had things to say about the trailers and the casting, both on our site and in this podcast. We were fairly critical of it. We watched the screener about 10 days ago, and... Um, we're going to get into all of that. You're going to hear our opinions, what we've changed our minds on, what we haven't changed our minds on. Also, uh, Belfast. We saw that um, yes. just before Thanksgiving. Um, I personally felt a connection into in, a lot of the material because uh, my family is Irish, but I'm also going to talk a bit about how removed I felt from it as well. Um, Interesting. Not in a critical way. Mm -hmm. um, I don't mean that in a critical way at all. I, I, it's more... Uh, um, a critical unpacking of my own identity as an Irish American. Um, and then we're going to talk, we're saving this one until the last because uh, the <laughs> Lorenzo's pointing out, well, go ahead, tell everyone, because it'll sound like bragging. You have big muscles now. He has huge arms out. Okay. <laughs> because if I said it, people would be like, oh my God, Tom, you're so obnoxious. But yes, Lorenzo was pointing at my huge arms. Oh my arms. God. Anyway. Um, the next one is The Power of the Dog, which we're, we're going to do that one last because it's out on Netflix. You can see it. Right. And um, because of that, we're going to have a fully spoiler filled. We're going to talk about the ending and everything. So we're going to put that one until last so you don't have to speed through it if you right. haven't seen it. Our other two reviews being The Ricardos and Belfast. I mean, we're not going to spoil it. There's not going to be a deep dissection of the plot or anything like that. In the case of The, the Ricardos, I'm not really sure how you could spoil it, but whatever. We're just going to review it talk about the performances and other aspects Correct. of it what how it affected us and how it didn't all right yeah that's the setup we are ready to go okay being the ricardos uh directed by aaron sorkin starring nicole kidman as lucille ball uh, javier Bardem as desi arnaz um jk simmons as william frawley who played fred mertz and right. um and nina arianda as vivian vance who played ethel mertz um so if you've listened before, like a lot of people, we had serious doubts about this casting because Nicole Kidman's non-resemblance to Lucille Ball was glaring, as was Javier Bardem's non-resemblance to Desi. To Desi Arnaz. So uh, we were critical. We And I will say that when the final trailer came out, we did say we were intrigued that this looked like a high quality project, but that we were having a hard time getting past right. Nicole. The thing with movies like that is that they start showing pictures. And that's all you have when you just have one picture with no lighting, mm -hmm. no nothing. Then you get more critical, I think, you know, because you're just looking at one picture of her. Right. Um, you're not getting the whole picture, literally. Right. Um, and we did so, try and put that in right, our critiques right. that, you know, it's all about whether she can capture the essence. And I will say those are were some, in some ways, some poorly cut trailers because I don't think they give you the fullness of her performance. Yes, I noticed that. Yeah. I will say this right off the jump, right, right at the jump. She's great. Uh, she's Academy Award worthy. She, in fact, I'm pretty sure she is going to get oh, a Best Actress get nomination. Yeah. She's really great in the role as Lucille Ball, as Lucy Ricardo, because they recreate a lot of the classic scenes of the show. Um, I know that's, for some of you, that may be really hard to believe. I will also say this. Her first scene in the movie, I was like, oh, God damn it, she looks so weird. And uh, 
as the movie went on, I realized that uh, she started... It, I wouldn't say that she started looking more like Lou, although there are certain scenes where she does look like her. But she didn't look freakish. She really looks freakish in certain scenes in the film. I went back and watched it a second time because I couldn't tell if her makeup improved or I just got used to her. But by the end of the film, it was it was really fine. And I came to the conclusion, and you backed me up on this, because right. you had the same thought. I you had were the like, same reaction, yes. It's weird, but she looks okay in the latter half of the film. In the first half of the film, she just looks weird. It's just like the lighting or something. It's, it's the angles. Yeah. It's the makeup. It's not that... I will say this about Nicole Kidman's face, because it's really easy to make fun of women. In, and I mean, in my bitchier days as a blogger, I might have made more fun of plastic surgery. But... People overstate how much Nicole has done to herself. We're not talking Joan Rivers here. We're not talking Lil' Kim here. She's done very little to change the shape of her face. She just keeps her skin preternaturally smooth. Right. And sometimes that works for her, and sometimes it doesn't. And at certain angles in this film, I was like, that's not working for me. That does not look normal, and that it's just, it's throwing me off in a way that, you know, I don't think Nicole Kidman normally looks freakish on film. I really, truly do not. I think she normally comes across as a very beautiful woman who's maintained her looks, so to speak. But there are certain scenes in this where mm-hmm. it's just like, the I don't know if it's the lighting. I don't know if it took them some time to figure out her makeup. She does appear way more contoured later in the film, right. which is really what you need it, to it, do. It's inter- I think it has a lot to do with the pandemic. The, these things were shot during the pandemic, and maybe they couldn't redo them, and they just had to... We're you, figuring things out. It's yeah, possible. It is possible, but it's, it's clear. If you watch the entire movie, there are scenes when she looks like she has a film on her face, or she has like a mask. A man, it's just weird. Weird yeah, lighting, she, yeah, weird like, makeup. Like, you know, when you do those makeup masks, it, right. it looks like that. And then then later on, it looks like a, a bad filler job or or Right, or, but or like Botox. I said, she it, it doesn't just, look yeah. like that in other stuff. She just did right. that Nine Perfect Strangers, which must have been shot nearly right. around the same time. So it's not and consistent. She looks fine. It's not consistent the way she looks. Yeah, um, and that's and, the crew's fault, not hers. Right, and that can be a little distracting because you're I watching agree. a scene, you're like, whoa, oh, wait a minute. There, But there is a point in the movie, I'll just say it, it's not giving anything away. She's in the writer's room. And... Um, it's just, it'll be the scene, it'll be the clip that they show uh, when they announce her uh, at the Academy Awards. When they, you know, oh, right, right, run down the list and they always show a clip. I'm pretty sure the scene in the writer's room will be the one. It's a beautiful scene. It's a brilliant scene. It pays the highest possible homage to Lucille Ball as a person. Right. Because in typical Aaron Sorkin style... Aaron Sorkin, lo- Aaron Sorkin loves the great man theory of filmmaking. He loves films that uh, elevate one man to greatness, whether that's Mark Zuckerberg or you know whomever, or a fictional president of the United States in the West Wing. But he it, he loves this great man theory of how the world works, and he basically just applied it to Lucille Ball, where she is treated like the genius Mark Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs would have been treated in a similar biopic. She is quite clearly presented as a business genius right. and as a comedic genius. And there's a scene in the writer's room. I'm not giving anything away, but she bounces ideas off of the writers and basically, right in front of your eyes, creates one of the most iconic scenes. In, right. in And it just underlines, whether that scene is true or not, in Aaron Sorkin's version of this story, Lucille Ball was a freaking genius. Genius, yes. And like a, a lot of genius, exactly. And like a lot of geniuses, she was 
difficult. Although that's not what the movie is about. But Nicole plays her in the way that I hope she would be able to, which is that Lucille Ball was not Lucy Ricardo. She was a tough businesswoman, a toughened former chorus girl who, who had risen up through the ranks in Hollywood, but never hit the upper echelons uh, before TV came along. And the, sh- and the movie really does a great job of just telling you all of that about yeah, her. Yeah. And it, it does a very good job of not presenting her as a bitch. And, but no. as someone difficult, uh, insistent, you know, mm-hmm. making sure she gets what she thinks is right, right, but not necessarily, you know, a horrible person. No, no, uh, no, I don't think she's horrible at all. In fact, I think they smooth over some of the... Right, because... The stuff between her and Vivian Vance gets a little smoothed over, and I'm like, I know it was but, rockier than right, that. Right, but you still get a little hint. You get a of, little hint of it. Yeah, and speaking of those, uh, Nina and, and J.K. Uh, Simmons, they you are absolutely now. amazing. I mean, they embodied those characters so well. And again, they don't uh, look they don't look exactly they don't look like them, but they didn't them, have but to. They're just so good. Everybody's yeah. good and fast, and and it's just incredible. Uh, I could have watched great. an entire movie yes, about those, about those two, two people. Yes, yes. Um, about the way they loathed each other, and yet they still created magic together. I didn't know he was drunk all the time. Oh yeah, he was known for that. Oh, yeah. I don't know how I know all this stuff. You knew that. I you knew told all this me, stuff. Yeah. yeah, everything. That's the one. <coughs> pardon me. If you want to get a little critical about it uh it's very structured uh and it feels almost theatrical like a play in a certain way um where it works it walks you through uh backstage at i love lucy and basically touches on every single thing you ever heard about backstage at i love lucy like the fact that vivian vance resented that she was forced to wear dowdy clothes or uh, the marital problems between Desi and uh, and uh, Lucy, or um, Lucy's whole career as an actress in the '40s leading up to this point, uh, the racism that Desi had to face from the um, television industry at the time. All of this stuff happens in a one-week period on the show. Right. They basically condense yeah. the entire history of that show. Oh, William Frawley's alcoholism. They condense all of the history of the behind-the-scenes of that show into one week. So it feels constructed it doesn't feel realistic and that's fine like i said sorkin has a style it's a very great man in this case great woman uh style of of storytelling and if he wants to condense the entire history of one television show down to one week that's fine he gave every character a chance Mm. especially of those four main characters a real chance to stand up in front of a mic essentially and state who they are right um and and I feel, I walked away from it, and I was like, you know, I'm sure people can quibble. The real historians of this show, because there are many, would quibble with details here, but I really feel like he did get to the heart of what the appeal of that show was, what the appeal of those four actors were, right? and um, how their marriage actually worked. This gets into why Lucy Arnaz, their daughter, gave the film such a stamp of approval. And I did say it doesn't matter to me if family members love it or not. Because sometimes they have a vested interest in... They just don't want that a lot of stuff reviewed. Or whatever. Yeah. But I will say that that is probably a point in favor as to how the marriage was depicted, which it wasn't. It's rocky. It's yeah, a yeah. rocky-ass marriage. I think I think it uh, because because of they were trying to promote the movie, TCM was showing all her old movies. And I have to say, I couldn't remember any of her old movies, like the black and white ones. I couldn't There's remember. There's a few that, that yeah, stand out. I couldn't remember any of them. And so I made the point of watching them on TCM just to get a better understanding of her acting abilities, right. you know, like just her career and mm-hmm. so on. 
And it's interesting uh, because it's not that great. Or maybe she didn't have great. She didn't roles. have the best material. Yeah, she didn't have the she best. She had a material. lot yeah. of charisma. Her right. star quality really stands out. And as the movie makes clear, because um, there's an extended flashback to the 1940s. And yes, Nicole plays Lucille Ball in her 30s, and. This is where all that maintenance work pays off. I'm pretty sure they did some digital work on yeah, her I'm as sure, well. Yeah. But she's a believable 32-year-old. Yeah. There are the scenes, scenes are, I'm are, like, wow, she, uh, yeah, believable. she's In fact, those scenes, she looked more like Lucille Ball yes. than at any other time in the oh movie. God, and yeah. she had brown hair. You I know? had the same reaction. Yeah, interesting. I, I really don't want to get into looks, 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 but I know that's a lot of people's reservations. So I feel like that needs to be addressed. It really is about the performances. The writing is sharp and incredibly, it can be very funny at times. It's Sorkin, so you're going to get that. I really want to talk about Aaliyah Shawkat. Yes. Ah, she plays one of the head writers on the show. She's a real person. Uh, I looked everybody up, and she plays a real woman who was a, a writer on that show. Um, and she was, she was the only woman, right? I actually gasped because, uh, and this is in the first few seconds of the, literally first few seconds, the conceit is that it's a bunch of people who worked on the show in their old age doing interviews and talking about that week. So um, Linda Lavin is cast as Aaliyah Shawkat's <laughs> older self. And I literally gasped because I was like, that is the most flawless casting I could have asked for. <laughs> it's Not true. because they look alike, although they do, but um, Aaliyah Shawkat has that sort of wisecracking, and she's such a wisecracker in this movie, sort of quality to her. And so does Linda Lavin. It's like innate in her. They're in her, funny. That, so that was, I was like, my God, that is perfect casting. And anyway, but back to Aaliyah Shawkat. Her scenes are just, she's so funny. She's so sharp. She's so... Um, I don't know if this woman was like this, but the point is being made throughout the script that she has to be like this, which in my my point being that she had to act like women were not allowed to act at the time. Like she puts down men right in front of them. She's very ambitious mm -hmm. in the writer's room. And like, so it's really kind of bracing to see someone in like 1952, a woman acting right. this way. I love uh, She's got scenes with yes. it's just her and Nicole one on one where yes. they are just, and when I say going at it, it was not a cat fight. It's not a, it passes the Bechdel test, uh, but they are having a debate and it gets intense. And I'm like, man, this girl's really holding her own with Nicole Kidman. Same thing with Javier Bardem, where he kind of comes at her in the writing room as Desi, and she goes flying right back I at him. I do like her conversation with Nicole and Lucy. That was a great scene. Because it, it's a great conversation. I don't want to give a lot of, away, but it's a conversation about how you represent you know how how you represent women how you it's a cr critique of lucy ricardo yeah. so basically it's, and it's fascinating because you do get both sides of the story you exactly. do get both uh versions and views and why they behave that way why they think that way right and uh it, it, it's a fantastic conversation about women back then it's not realistic it's right. aaron sorkin so right. everyone has an agenda every conversation has an agenda and people go at each other and make their point. So it's not naturalistic, but it is really bracing to watch. It's really, and there are parts of it that are just fun, fun to watch. It's a very, it's a very fast pace. I felt yeah, extremely. Um, um, Nicole Kidman is moving and talking and acting, and, yeah. and, and you know you can see her brain just going and, and never and, stopping. And she yeah. never never stopping, and and that's interesting because the movie just keeps going and. You know, at a pace that you you don't expect, right? And you're just like, oh, okay, next scene, and then, you know, she's doing this and that, and working on a scene, and and it everything is beautiful. They do a fantastic job of drawing a bright red line separating uh, Lucille Ball from Lucy Ricardo, right? Because the voice 
changes completely when the camera is on. The entire style of everything. And I feel like Nicole really comes very close in both instances. Like, she really does get Lucy Ricardo, that loud, sort of shouty, almost childish way of speaking. And that really dry, sort of wry Lucille Ball way of speaking. She gets a couple of zingers in, and I'm like, damn, Nicole, I didn't know you could be that dry. And it is a tribute to her. Absolutely. uh, The scene when she's, the wine scene uh, in Italy... I, I actually got emotional because this is such a right. such an important moment for right. everybody, for her, for the show, and we still talk about it today about that. Well, scene. I'll, I'll just connect it and give it away. That's the scene in the writers' room that she basically comes up with. Yes, and to watch her process that scene in her mind, right? It's such good filmmaking, and it really elevates Lucille Ball. I'm telling you, it gives you that sort of Steve Jobs right, right, sort right. of oh, this person is on another level from everybody else in the room. Right. Um. So. I, I really did like it. Did you? I it's. I didn't like it in the beginning. In fact, I turned to you and said, "I'm I'm because I had to." Get it was up very Sorkin to get some water or something, and I turned to you and said, "I'm I'm not loving this," but I kind of it kind of grew on me, and and I and then I loved it towards the end. I was in love with the movie. So. Yeah, I actually had to watch it a second time because I loved it that much, and um, I only wanted to address the looks thing because it had been an issue. Right. Uh, Many people talked about it, and we had talked about it, and it does figure into your viewing of the film. At a certain point, you're like, okay, she looks a little weird. What's going on here? But it's really only in the first, say, half hour or so. And then after that, I, it, I I'm guess telling you, get, you, you know, they figured it out. They figured you get out used to it. which angles are not working for her. I did notice they reshot certain scenes from a specific episode. They recreated them, and I went and looked up the episode, and I'm like, that's not how that scene was shot at all. And I wonder if it's because of Luce, of Nicole's angles that mm-hmm. they changed the angles right. of the scene. Anyway, highly recommended. Uh, whether Everyone you're an aficionado or not, uh, I oh, and back to Nina Arianda and um, J.K. Simmons. Like, you know, we didn't touch on them either, and. I have a few things. We're not completely done. (laughs) All right. Nina Arianda and J.K. Simmons, I just want to say, if they don't get nominated for Supporting Actor, I would be surprised. They are both that good. And I real quick with Javier Bardem, he's so good. He's a great actor. He's very charming. The two of them together are so hot. Right. They are so hot for each other. And they are such a power couple, like the way they strut around that set, Mm -hmm. basically intimidating people. All of that's great. But all that criticism I had for Nicole in the role that mostly evaporated, I'm sorry, they still apply to him. He is fun to watch and everything, but he is not as... I had to keep reminding myself. Well, I'm like, I have a question for he's you. He's too big. He's too beefy. Right. He didn't sound like him. He was great, but he Nicole met you halfway and gave you Lucille Ball, gave right. you her... And I didn't feel like that with him. I, I don't... You know me, I forget things... I thought that his his accent was way too strong. Uh, is well, that, Ricky Ricardo's accent had a very strong. He had a very. Accent. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I don't know how if that was true in his real life, but Desi Arnaz, he really played that accent but, up. I mean, right, back then, a lot did. of Latin actors did that. No, they really just, played well, up they, their accents. Yeah, they still do. <laughs> Sofia Vergara. <laughs> anyway. I knew. I know you were thinking well, of her. I knew what I knew. Uh, Javier Bardem. <laughs> yeah, I, you, you, he's I'm, just this I'm big just, beefy guy. The entire time I was just looking at Javier Bardem. I guess because I, I've watched so many of his movies, and my God, he was gorgeous when he was young. He's still hot. He's still hot, but my God, he was a god back then. But anyway, my point is that I've I've watched many many of, of you know a lot of his movies, and um, so I I kept looking at Javier all the time. I didn't see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, he just really. And then there are scenes where he has to like play the bongos and sing some of Ricky's uh, or or Desi's 
uh, signature songs in that sort of Cuban, you know, Latin lover style of the 40s. And I'm like, you, you're not giving me that at all. You're just not giving me Desi Arnaz. Anyway, it's still a great film. Mm-hmm. B.N. Ricardo is highly recommended. And you know what else is highly recommended? Our Bombas songs. Always. 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 Bombas' mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So this holiday, when you gift Bombas to someone on your list, you're also giving them to someone in need. It's a give-give. Bombas designed their sock shirts and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, which I didn't even realize that until I read it earlier, and I was like, oh my god, they're right. Everything is tagless. That's so cool. And has a luxuriously cozy feel. They're made from super soft materials like merino wool, pima cotton, and even cashmere, which makes them the perfect cozy winter layers. There's a pair of Bombas socks for everything you do. Believe me, because I have them all. They come in performance styles for every sport, holiday styles for when you're feeling festive. Just got a set of the holiday socks. Yeah. Love, so love, pretty, and yeah. lots more. Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and the perfect weight, so they hang just right. Bombas underwear has a barely there feel with second skin support that might make you forget they're even there in a good way. Bombas are the coziest gifts for everyone on your list, and thanks to their festive gift boxes, you don't even have to wrap them. All you have to do That's is true. the giving, which is awesome. Yeah, Socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters in that order. That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. Bombas are made to be the perfect gift and made to get and made to give back to those in need. So happy giving. I am serious. I am serial here, people. <laughs> if you're looking to do some Christmas shopping and you're lost, go. Yes. Seriously. Like yeah. uh, just the, the greatest sort of the quality, I know that socks at style. Christmas might seem like a cliche, oh but God, these no. are fun. Fu- these are these not are socks just that ordinary people want. socks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> these are socks you open up the box and you're like, oh my God, I love these socks. So go to bombas.com slash TLO and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash TLO for 20% off bombas.com slash tlo thank you bombas all right we're done with being the recorder we oui, we oui. so i'm gonna click out that imdb window and move on to belfast oh Kenneth my god Brannock's, belfast um I'm, I'm autobiographical just, i'm just gonna say reminiscence of his own childhood uh starring katrina ball jamie dornan judy dench uh and kieran hines um and go no i was just gonna say the movie, which I was so touched by the movie that I, after we watched it, I went online and start watching interviews with them. The yeah, director I did the same thing. And the the actor, and I was like sobbing watching the interview. Yeah, I mean, I just want to say, like, Jesus. Uh, I I think it was we saw it the night before Thanksgiving or whatever, and or the family Thanksgiving party that we went to, and I mentioned it, and I kept saying to the people because everyone was like, "How was it?" And you have to remember, my family's all Irish, Irish American. How was it? And I said, I. I cried through the last third of the movie and everyone was like, Oh my God. And I'm like, it's really not, there's no like horrible. It's just, um, I'll say this. I realized about two thirds of the way through the movie. Uh, I just, it hit me like a thunderbolt. I was like, Oh, all these people are dead. Um, I'm going to get choked up. It's so clearly a story of a man in his 60s looking back on his parents and grandparents with the utmost love and respect. And it's, uh, you know, I've lost mine, so I'm getting choked up. Uh, And if you've lost, you'll see it. It's just so clear to me uh, that this, uh, Mm -hmm. this, the pure 
childlike love that he has for his parents and grandparents in this film and the way he elevates them. You know, we made fun of it on the site, and I said at the time I couldn't tell if it's charming or obnoxious that he kissed two such ridiculously good-looking people as his parents. I I tried to find pictures of them, and I couldn't. So maybe his parents were that good-looking. I don't know. But now? But now, having watched, I'm like, but yeah, that's how a nine-year-old would say His mother, there's a scene of Katrina Bolf sitting outside basically on a stool in the street, peeling potatoes into a bucket, and she freaking looks like Elizabeth Taylor. She looks so gorgeous. <laughs> gorgeous. And I'm like, that yeah. is how a little boy sees his mother. mother yes. Same thing with his father, who right. is, of course he's beautiful. Of course he's heroic. And, you know, right, just right. everything. So, of course, that's what Jamie Dorman, I think Dorman that's, is. That's one of the great, the greater thing about the movie to me is that you, see, you watch a lot of movies, you watch a lot of things, you know, through the eyes of a child. But... Sometimes they don't, they're not really right through the eyes of a child. This is through uh, the eyes of an old man now channeling this, his childhood. It, it, exactly. Yeah. This is just perfect, man. I don't mean to call Kenneth Browning an old man, but he's in no, his 60s. Well, yeah, he's a mature well, he's, man. Yeah, he's not 20 anymore. But, yeah. it, but it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, I'm so glad he chose to uh, do black and white most of the time, right? Uh, it looks like old photographs. Yes. It that's does. And that's what it is. This, it is the purest of nostalgia and of course we all know the lines from from Mad Men about nostalgia it's a double-edged sword there's you know and you can and probably should as a as a skeptical viewer you know not accept this as the truth of the situation but as someone's beloved mm-hmm. memories of a situation um I've read some reviews of the film that don't dismiss it, but they do tend to, tend to sort of play it down because it's quote unquote just nostalgia. And because there have been films like this made before us, like Roma or Cinema Paradiso, right, people right, looking right. back on childhood in black and white, and it's either very idyllic or it's very painful. Um, so it's no, it's not the most original film in the world, not by any stretch of the imagination. We've even seen films about Irish families that don't really, this is not trotting new ground. It's a lot about faith, a lot about national identity, a lot about family. Um, and that, that tends to define a lot about leaving. And as the film makes very, very clear, and it's very true, that is the most Irish of Irish stories right. is leaving. Um, that's what the songs are about. That's what the poems are about. Uh, and it's what this family faces, um, whether they should leave because of right. the violence erupting around them. There's a fantastic line. I don't remember all the the, all the words, but it was something about like half left, half stayed. So Yeah, and all, all anyone needs to be to remember Ireland is a pint of Guinness and the sheet music to Danny Boy, which is simplistic, of course, but actually also dead on. I did want to talk about my, <laughs> yes. my identity here as an Irish American because... Um, I am, unlike my parents, my father was first generation, my mother was second generation. So we are closely tied to the home country, to the old world. It was, it's, but it, it was Irish land 24-7. It's very easy for people in Ireland to, and this is true of any, you know, diaspora, this is, you know, to, to look sort of down their nose at the green sweater right. wearing people who celebrate St. Patrick's Day in America. Irish Americans can sometimes be obnoxious about their Irishness in a way that Irish people actually find silly. So I don't like to overstep. My parents loved it. They just, but my parents were also because they were so closely tied to the old country. They they actually raised us to. We used to be told not to wear green on St. Patrick's Day because that's what Americans do. Don't do that. That's that's tacky. That's what Americans do. Um, don't wear "Kiss Me, I'm Irish." Don't do the little shamrock dealy right, boppers. Right, right. That's not who we are. Um, so my parents and I grew up 
because of my parents being that way, I grew up around people from Ireland, immigrants from Ireland in this country my whole life. And I will say with no small amount of pride, we were told by more than one of them that we were the most Irish family in America they'd ever seen. Were um, the most Irish people I've met in yeah, my I, life. I will never forget our friend Jill, who was uh, from the Belfast area. My parents got into a big fight, and my mother went to church, and my father went to the bar, and she was like, "Jesus Christ, your family is more Irish than mine." <laughs> um, so, but uh, I, I'm only bringing this up because, okay, the first shot of the film almost took my breath away. The first shot of Jude Hill, the little boy playing Kenneth Branagh's yes. younger self, yes. Almost took my breath away because I was like, Jesus Christ, he looks exactly like me at that age. Exactly. It was a, it was the certain angle and everything. Right. He doesn't. He sort of does look a lot like me when I was a little boy. Um, and because I started having emotional reactions to the scenes in the film, I really started unpacking it. And I'm like, you know, this isn't me. This isn't my life. I can't. And I cannot claim this as my life. Um, I, I wasn't in Belfast during the Troubles. I didn't grow up in Ireland. Right. I'm an American. So. I was trying not to over-identify with it. And I will also say that like his family structure, everything about it, that is nothing about it reminded me of my family. But I had such a deep personal reaction to it because, like I said, I lost my parents. And I know what that... I just recognized it. I was like, my God, his... They're gone. They're all gone. And he's just remembering the best possible version of the book. Right, Sorry, right, I'm getting right. all choked up. The uh, so it's not everybody. a super yeah. sad film. It really isn't. But if you if you had that kind of loss in your life, and if you look back on, say, your grandparents with the most loving eye, then you can understand this. Um, the performances are fantastic. Uh, I know people talk about Jamie Dornan, but if I were to nominate any of, I mean, the younger cast, it would be Katrina over him. She really blew me away. I, she was very, very yeah, good. Yeah, because of Outlander, of course, I knew she could act, but my God, she can act. She, she can act. I'm not really saying good. he can't, but he had to play sort of a John Wayne type that doesn't emote. Like, right, he right. keeps it all very, so I, that's a lot harder to process. He's good, don't get me wrong. But he didn't have much chance but to. But honestly, yeah. I, I may be a cliche, but give it to Judy and Kieran Hines. Oh my God, Judy? Judy Dench is the grandmother. She gives a line reading that I can't even mention it because I will burst into tears. Judy Dench is, was incredible. Yep. I, oh my God. I'm. She well, I mean, just, what are we saying here? She's always perfect. I it know, almost seems like a cliche to say, oh yeah, give her the Oscar. But my God, she first of all, she was kind of- Unrecognizable. Unrecognizable, yeah. yeah. And, and just- Absolutely amazing performance. So th- same with Karen yes, Hines. Who yes, I do yes. not believe has ever been nominated for an Oscar. I would love to see him well, get nominated. Well, we loved him in Room. So yeah, he's been around forever. Um, but I would love to see him that get that kind right. of recognition. Right. Apparently, he grew up on the same road yes, that Kenneth yes. Branagh grew up yes. on, but they're in different generations. I kind of remember him, S- but he knows that, the area. Yeah. So anyway, the movie was absolutely is. Absolutely incredible. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. It is. It's, it's a beautiful. The Green Knight is still my favorite movie. film of the year, but Belfast is probably my second. Um, and Being the Ricardos might be my third. Um, yeah, but Belfast is so beautifully shot. There it are, is. There are scenes that you just can't believe the right. angle, uh, right. the camera angle, and. You know, well, he loves his Dutch angles, yes. Kenneth Branagh. Um, it's a very sentimental film. There's no getting around it. And maybe that's just too much sugar sweetness for you. Um, or maybe you've seen this film before. Or maybe you feel that a white man's uh, nostalgia right. isn't the most interesting thing in the world right now. And honestly, I wouldn't blame you for any of those reactions. 
But this is why I had to unpack my connection to it, even though I'm not Irish. But there was, you know, that's why I wanted to make sure I understood that I loved it, not because I recognized myself in it, because I really didn't. Um, but I did recognize that universal feeling of nostalgia for those you've lost. I think for I the think dead. Any, yeah, I think anyone having parents, grandparents, or whoever right. in the family who immigrate from somewhere to right. somewhere. Um, Get that. Get the feeling of that. Because I've always said this about immigrants. I mean, most immigrants uh, leave their countries not because they want to. They leave their countries because they have to. Yeah. Not everybody, obviously. Yeah. But most of them uh, don't want to leave. And and that's clear in the movie, um, that they're forced to leave. Right. Um, and that, that it's a very painful process for them. It's a very painful process. Yeah. You don't know what's waiting for you. You know what you leaving behind right so it's it's complicated emotional right. but you have to do it anyway so i i, I think you, you can relate to that right even if it's you can't oh, relate no, to island or any of that i just wanted to you know whether it matters to anyone listening or not i love this film not because i'm irish american because like i keep repeating it that's not my life there was very little about that that and i mean not to put too fine a point on it but i'm an irish catholic and his family were protestants not that i'm drawing some sort right, of right, line right. there but the film is specifically about them as Irish Protestants living in that atmosphere. Uh, so again, I, I didn't feel that sort of association. I just felt that as nostalgia goes, this was just really well done. Nostalgia, just beautifully, lyrically, right. just beautiful. Just I don't know. A, 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 yes, incredibly sentimental. Yes, everyone is put on a pedestal more or less but i feel like the film is extremely open about mm -hmm. that about what it's doing right i don't know if it's true uh but his parents seem to be a little more open-minded when it comes to religion i guess the show well he wanted to make that point about yeah. i'm not gonna i am not navigating that no, no i'm not I'm navigating not, no, but it was interesting yeah yeah yeah. Uh, oh it was yeah just an interesting point in the movie absolutely that his parents were um protestant living in a mixed area that was protestant catholic and a lot of their friends were catholic and when the troubles start erupting, and if you know anything, they erupted along those lines, Protestant and Catholic lines, although it's more complicated than that, believe me. Um, so there was a lot of pressure on right, his right, parents, right. especially his father, to join in and become mm -hmm. part of, you know, part of the troubles from the Protestant side of it. So this is, you know, again, this is movie. not my, yeah. my, I mean, my grandfather had to leave Ireland because he got... He was, according to my dad, he was part of the Easter Rebellion. So, and he was Catholic. So he was rebelling against the English. <laughs> right. Um, so that's the kind of Irish I was raised with. And this is a slightly different flavor. And I loved it. I loved seeing it from that. And I said this. I was like, my parents would have loved this movie. They would have adored this movie. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. You don't think they would have loved it? I don't. I didn't know because they were all Protestant. That, so but that's just it. I think right. they still would have loved it. They still would. My parents had their, you know, their ideas. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm saying this. Not that they were anti-Protestant. No, they just no. had their ideas about the Protestants yes. in Ireland, like a lot of Irish Americans do. And that's why I don't want to navigate this because... Not my country. No. I'm not going to pretend true. like I know. Mm -hmm. um, my parents made that. And a lot of Irish Americans of my the, parents' uh, generation made that mistake of thinking they understood the troubles. It's right. like, you're an American. You don't understand them. Uh, I think that's very true of any troubles out there. Um, I agree. Just because uh, your family yeah. came from somewhere nearby doesn't, doesn't mean you mean know. You can Sorry, I just grasp. need my mic. But... The costumes are gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous in a—they're all workmen, you know. Yeah, but that's it. I mean, I, yeah, not like a, fabulous. No, in a Prada way. <laughs> no, they weren't. No, I. No, no, they were not. No, my point is that they're—they're—they are—they're they're 
Yeah, they're like simple. Like I said, his mother's peeling potatoes into a bucket. I know. She but, looks stunning because she look, she's Katrina Ball. I know. Not but, because she's wearing Prada. Yeah, the costumes are beautiful. The, the shoes were great. I thought so. They were they late 60s, belt best, working class clothes, which right. is good for them. Yes, but, but my idea of beauty when it comes to costume doesn't have to have feathers and, and sequins. Anyway. I agree with that, but you were calling it fabulous. They are Prada, fabulous. and that's not what No, I thought they were amazing. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so, yes, also very highly recommended Belfast. Yes. Uh, oh my God. I, I really don't want to paint it as some deeply like. Oh my God, you're going to sob through it. It's not like that. They're, I mean, it, it's as Irish as Irish stories get. So yeah, there's some sadness in yeah. there. Um, but it's not a. Dep- I didn't think it was depressing. Did no, you? No. I my, even though it ends on a very sad note. Right. But my approach suggesting movies and my approach watching movies is that a you. Sometimes you relate to them. B, sometimes you don't, but you learn something from somebody else. Right. Uh, or C, a combination of both. It's not really you, but you can extract something but from But the it. emotion is so human. Yes, exactly. So pure. Right. And that's what you get with Belfast, yes. is something extremely pure, simple. Right. Because nothing's simpler than nostalgia. Nothing's easier than being old and looking back on your childhood. Um, and it doesn't... I don't think he tends he'd used it to explore unpleasant truths or he just wanted to look back lovingly at these people. This is why it got to me. I was like, this is such a loving, loving take on his parents right. and his grandparents. And as a child of immigrants, so or uh, or you know, I think the movie does a very good job in his case, for example, to to take a look at what happened and why you are why, why you, you are yeah why you are what you are you could you you could have been someone completely different if your parents had chosen a different path i think that's fascinating when yeah. you think about it yeah. that you know you're here in america but you could be back in in ireland right uh at this point i mean in his case england uh anyway but my point is that you know choices yep <laughs> choices <laughs> choices so all right that's, uh, love it let's move on yes to the power of the dog which oh my um, God. dropped this week on netflix uh directed by jane campion uh from the book by thomas savage starring benedict cumberbatch kirsten dunst jesse plemons cody smith mcfee whose name i always stumble over um Critically acclaimed, had you know, there had been a lot of buzz about this film. There's been buzz about uh, Kirsten Dunst getting nominated, going back to mm-hmm. like the Venice Film Festival in August. So I couldn't wait to see it. You watched it before I did. I've watched three times already. Yeah, I just watched it last night, um, and. I don't want to give the impression that I didn't love this film because I did. I, I actually don't have any real criticism, but I can tell it affected you really deeply. So I, I want you to oh my God. go ahead. First of all, Jane Campion is, my God, what a director. And I, I read a fantastic interview with her about the movie. And as someone who appreciates um, indie movies and, and you know low-budget movies, that right. kind of movies that get little attention, I love them and I watch all of them or watch as many as I can. Um, it was so wonderful to read her interview about how much she fought to make this movie, to get the money and all that. So it, it, and all I can think is like, oh my God, what if this movie hasn't been made? That's all I can think of when, when people talk about getting, uh, you know, money to make a movie. It's true. This wonderful. Uh, and, and, and then she talks about it. Like, you know, she had to 
tried to get the money and finally net not everyone could was given her enough money to make the movie the movie was very expensive they shot in australia uh they had to create their whole ranch God, it was breathtaking. Oh my God, I, breathtaking. I, if I have one tiny bit of critique, I I did a couple times think that doesn't look like, I mean, that looks like New Zealand or Australia right, to me. True, it didn't true. really look no, like Montana. Montana, no. But it's beautiful. It was shot in Australia. Now, Australia, yes. Uh, she hired the same company that did uh, Lord of the Rings to do the well, That's uh, what you do down under. The ranch, They're the yeah. biggest ones down anyway, there. Anyway, so. beautiful. The ranch is absolutely gorgeous. So she she Netflix finally agreed to uh, you know, pay for the movie because it was so expensive. Thank God. Thank you, Netflix. Because Thank you, Netflix. What a wonderful movie. Which uh, uh, we still hate Netflix for the I whole know, we still Dave Chappelle ha- thing. hate Netflix for other reasons, yeah. but my God, what a wonderful movie. I love Benedict Cumberbatch. Absolutely love him. I think he's a fantastic actor. But it's I had, the most counterintuitive cast. But I had no idea he could do what he did. Yeah, I was just mesmerized, fascinated by his performance. I was like, wow. It's a whole different I don't Benedict think, that I didn't yeah. know. I, mean, I, I think I've seen more of his work than you probably, have, yeah. more of his dramatic yes, work. Yes. So uh, I'm not surprised that he could do that. I've seen that level from him before. It is um, really fascinating to watch him because, like I said, the most counterintuitive casting. You don't look at Benedict no. Cumberbatch and be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast him as a ranch hand in 1925, and he's an asshole and a misogynist, and he's a brute. Like, you don't cast him in brute no. parts because he looks like a butler. Um, right? Yeah, he's like for Downton Abbey kind of. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's fun. I mean, admirably, he has tried to break away from his looks, and... And he really he did with this. It's he plays this rough guy. Although the character is not like I said, we are going to go deeper into the yeah, plot I mean, on this. It, the character is you find out that the character is not some rough and tumble guy. He's actually I think Yale educated or something, I or Harvard so, yeah, educated. Yeah, they talk about going to school. And, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of interesting reasons implied as to right. why his what life took that direction. Not least of which sounds like he was molested. Um, he was. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, I don't know if they'd say how old he was when the first thing happened. Well, he said he was kind of the same age of the... Oh, the, 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 well, I mean, Cody. I guess that's yeah. still molested. Of but Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it is. If you don't agree or whatever, it's still molestation anyway. It sounds like he... Of some sort. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But um, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm... Call, I don't want to get into this definitional stuff, but I, I didn't know if he was an adult or not when it right, happened. Right. And it seems to imply that he was an adult when it happened. So... Or at least a young... Like well, 20. Yeah. It. You don't get... All, Although I guess his character is supposed to still be in grades. He's in college, though, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, no, no. But the thing is that he's fascinated, infatuated with the guy. Right, right, right. Uh, his mentor. And he talks about his mentor the entire movie. And then you understand why. Yeah, his dead on. mentor. Yeah. Um, but the movie's great is this Kirsten Dunst. My God, that woman. I, I, I always say that Nicole Kidman is, she's in her sweet spot when she's playing stressed out women. Yeah. Uh, and Kirsten Dunst, and maybe this sounds like a cliche, but she really is in her sweet spot when she's playing women in pain. There's a Broken scene. Women is her acting sweet spot, and man, uh, you just want to pick her up oh off the God. floor in this movie. She's so watch the movie in so much pain when she's sitting and she decides not to play because she's so nervous. She oh won't my play. God! And then when she turns around, look at the camera, my. God, her face. Yeah, just so much pain, and so as much a musician, emotional pain. I was just like sobbing because as a musician, I understand exactly what she's going through. Right, right, right. right. Being forced to play, to perform. And then not being ready. And not being ready. And then the scene, I also laugh with the scene. With when his she's banjo, pra- yeah. When she's practicing. And and Phil, Benedict Cumberbatch, has been a total dick. And uh, That's when you get an idea. Her. And yeah. I did. I had this idea where I was like, 
That's not some brutish ranch hand thing. That's kind of a bitchy, clever way to get back. And that's when I re- started realizing there was a bit more to this guy. Right, right, right. He wasn't just some right. brute. He was really smart and more refined than you realize on, at, at first glance. And that's what makes him sort of so terrifying. I think it th- might have been easier to, right. to just, oh, he's just some uneducated asshole. The, but uh, his hatred was was applied intelligently to this woman and broke her down. Right. I have to say, for me, personally, it was very painful to watch the beginning of the movie with Peter going through all these things, yeah. acting effeminate and, and, and doing things that, you know, straight right. men are not supposed to do. And I cringed because I was like, this is my childhood. This is, this is me as a teenager. Going through that stuff and having my parents tell me that a man doesn't do that type of thing. Right, right, right. Or yeah, I should act differently or being mocked and made fun There's of. There's that, that scene where he all walks past all the ranch hands to yes. go see the birds in the oh tree. Oh, my God. Yeah. And you just hear someone say faggot as he walks by. I'm sorry if that offended anyone. Uh, as he run, walks by and I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's yeah. what it is. You walk uh-huh. through the world and you just hear that in the background and you just try and pretend like you didn't hear it. And you hear it when you when it's when you kind of not expecting. That's the worst when you just go right. by go by your day or whatever and then you all of a sudden you hear someone saying something like that and you just like, whoa. Uh, I do want to unpack something about Cody's performance and the way that character was written. He is coded queer very early on, but I feel like the as that turn happens I don't know that that character's gay yes, at all. Yes, I don't know clear. that that character's gay. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. We, I think we didn't he have a used to talk that. About it. He used yeah. that assumption about himself, and clearly Benedict Cumberbatch's character is attracted to men. But I didn't see anything, anything, right. just because he made paper flowers at the beginning, and I really loved that. Yes. I actually really loved that. It would be just easy to make him a gay kid mm-hmm. at the, you know, in the 1920s. But maybe he was just sensitive, right? And it's um, interesting that the one pretending to be straight and then brutal and brute and whatever right. uh, is actually uh, gay and the other one maybe isn't. It, There's it, no it, reason to believe yeah. he's gay. Yeah. Not really. Although he quite clearly and quite savvily uses that perception of yes. him to basically destroy Benedict Cumberbatch at the end of the film. I also love the uh, Jess uh, Plemons. I almost tweeted something this morning and I was like, you know what? I don't want this fire, but I'll say it here. I am slightly appalled the way uh, critics and entertainment writers and culture writers talk about Jesse Plemons. And I think, uh, not to get on my uh, some sort of men's oh, rights box here. No, because um, it's about his looks. And, right. um, you know, I realize that women, you know, they are subjected in, in film and everything and in entertainment yeah, are subjected we, we to look. That. I know all of this. But I also know that if we said things about a chubby women that we say about Jesse Plemons, some chubby female actress, um, I, I I can't even imagine some of the... Like, they call him like a little man baby or they call him doughy Matt Damon or whatever like that. And I was watching the film last night and so struck by what an intensely beautiful actor he is. Yes, just yes. The, he's very much like Kirsten Dunst. I wonder if this is what they saw in each other, right, yes. where they tap oh into God, yes. that sort of inner pain in there. And that scene where he says oh, about uh, not my being God. alone, and he's such a beautiful that actor. Scene, and I'm like, yeah. why is everyone making fun of him for being chubby? I know. That's kind of nasty, and I hate that. And, I was, and really, like, high-level right. culture writers are doing... You should know better. Anyway, go ahead. I was watching that scene when they say... When he says to her um 
it's so nice to not, to not be, be alone. Lonely, lonely anymore. My God, I was like, this is... The delivery of that line is so... It's just perfect. And the fact that they're married in real right. life, I was like, I can only imagine right. what that felt. Saying that and to Jane each other. And Jane Campion, um, let's talk about her direction. Oh she God, is yeah. uh, adept at at uh, exploring people's emotional pain um, in a way. I don't want to be essentialist here, but in a way, sometimes male directors aren't. Like, she really mm-hmm. has... Uh, this is the value sometimes... This is the value all the time of having diverse... Pe- you know, a diversity of voices making art, but she brings so much female energy to this Western yes. in a way. It's, yes, she does. It's yes. a Western... Yes. And it's female. And I, the way, first off, the way she shoots the men is very female gazy. Um, some of those men were very hot. Some oh of those God. ranch hands are hot. And there are loving Thomas Aiken style yes. scenes of them bathing in the creek and everything. And I know there's a homoerotic element to that, but it felt like a woman's eye. Right, right. Um, and again, she has that. Uh, I don't think all women are perceptive about emotions or anything like that. But as a director, mm-hmm. she does. She has the way she pulls complexity of emotions at every one of those four main characters benedict and cody and jesse and mm-hmm. and uh and, and kirsten the complexity of their emotions the way almost all of their emotions went unverbalized and inarticulate unarticulated but you knew them because yeah. it was on their faces right and because as a director she stayed on those faces she stayed with them in rooms and didn't move as you watched them in that room it, in pain it, some that sometimes stuff. it's a very quiet scene. She's and, very patient as a she's director. She's very patient as a director. There's a scene that I absolutely love in the beginning of the movie. She uh, she's shooting from inside the the house, right? Going through window by window, yes, and, yes, and yes. he's walking outside. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful because at the end of his walk, she's outside with the camera. Yeah. And it just looks so beautiful. There's a scene where all the ranchers are coming together towards yeah. the camera. Yeah. Certain angles, certain things. That's why when people say, "Well, you should only watch uh, a movie on 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 a big screen in the movie theater," I disagree because third time I watch it, I watch it on my computer, and I was pausing every scene to look at every every prop, everything because yeah, I yeah. love doing that. Just everything in the room, in the kitchen, uh, you know, buttons, w- what they yeah. wear. I love looking. I at love stuff that it. Um it dealt with a lot of themes of classic westerns, but it was set in a time period that only it's not overrepresented in westerns. Right, it's right. 1925 Montana, so there are cars and electric lights, but it's still quintessentially western in yes, its themes yeah. and in its imagery and in its motifs. And like I said, it's explicitly female in its point of view. Um, even though there's only one real, fe- I mean, there are uh, there's maids. But, I mean, Kirsten Dunst's character is the only central female character, and then she's surrounded by men. Right, but right, even right. so, that works to the film's favor because having a female director tell that kind of story, she was able to give you that sense of oppression, that sense of being surrounded by all that male energy and what it feels like to be a woman isolated in that. I mean, her isolation, the fact that she, I mean, she might as well have been on an island in that situation. Right. Um, I love when he found the uh, magazine... <laughs> I love that scene. Oh my god, Eugene Sandow, I which we wrote about in our book. I we know. wrote about. I cheered when I saw. Yeah, the, I was like, yeah, I'd love to be vindicated like that. But. I know, absolutely beautiful movie. Uh, Netflix sent us the book. I I do want to read the book. Um, when well, I, I heard that the ending's different, yeah, so I really want to know I'm about actually, that. Yeah, I really want to read the book. Um, 
But anyway, a beautiful movie. Now, a lot of people talked about the ending as a twist. Uh Uh-huh. And we talked about this briefly before we flipped on the mics. And you said it's because I I have such a critical eye that I tend to look, you know. But I I read several reviews that were like the sudden twist at the end. And I was like, that's weird. I didn't see it that way. Because at least maybe two-thirds of the way through the movie, he tells his mother, Mm -hmm. you will not have to suffer for long. Then we see the anthrax-ridden cow. So... For me, it wasn't a twist. It was like a Hitchcock thing where I was just waiting for how are you going to execute this and will you pull it off? In fact, all of the tension for me, because it took, uh, spoiler, 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 it took so long for Benedict Cumberbatch to die that I was like, he's not going to die. He's going to kill someone before he dies. Like, I really kept waiting for him to just shoot her or something in his death throes, but it didn't happen. Um, right, I was not expecting. I was surprised. I have to say, I was surprised. But then when I watched it again, I was like, "Oh, okay." Now everything. You didn't makes get sense. it when he was braiding the stuff. No, I'm so dumb when it comes to that stuff. It's not dumb. <laughs> That's not it. It's I, just looking at it different I, ways. Yeah. And I saw it from uh, like from a Hitchcock point of view, where I mean, the guns in the drawer were just waiting for him to pull it out and, right. and I, fire. It. I didn't make those connections. I usually don't. I don't know why. It's interesting. Anyway, uh, Elizabeth Moss. Uh, was supposed to play the main character Rose, and uh, but she would have been good. She, she would have been, been right good, for the no, part. So but Kirsten, thank Jesus, it yeah. wasn't her. And then Kirsten does. My God, Kirsten. The thing about Elizabeth Moss, she's also very good at playing women in a lot of pain. But she plays those women in such a way that you're waiting for her to snap and fuck everybody up. <laughs> that's that's her power, right? <laughs> it's it's true. a madman and the Handmaid's Tale and everything. You're set, just waiting for set the place for on her fire. To have it, yeah, where exactly. you just you break her and then she snaps and then she fucks everyone oh up my God. so and that's not rose rose is she just no. keeps getting more and more broken no it's, um, it's kirsten done yeah I, it, she, well i mean rose the character but yeah yeah, that's yeah, yeah. The, she's, uh, she's amazing yeah she's so right for the part i really hope she gets oh uh, i hope reco- so too. awards recognition she has gotten very little in her career and it's so bizarre to me she's amazing yeah everything um, she does um Everyone is great. I also want to mention uh, Frances and Conroy. You know, she's also she in plays the, the mother. Yeah, everyone she's is very good. Very small part. Very but, small part, but everyone has a small part. Yeah, uh, a lot of people. Uh, but they're all great. They're Everybody's all great. great. Yeah, all and great. it sticks with you, and it goes in directions that you you weren't sure it was gonna. Like I wasn't sure about the queer thing. Right, right. It really needed to be because I saw it, but I was like, "Is that where this is going, or am I reading?" And then you see the naked magazines, and you're like, "All right, no, I didn't misread that." Yeah, but I was expecting a whole different story. You thought they were going to get together? No, no, I didn't think that. I thought he was going to rape him. I thought it was going to be more about him, Peter, than than Phil. Uh, the story. Yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. it was going to be more about Peter. Cody Smith McPhee is amazing in it. He um, is incredible. Man. Again, it's that uh, Jane Campion thing where she gets them to tell you everything they're feeling without a word coming out of right, their mouths. Right. And he's got that. And he, Jesse Plemons has that. Yes. And, and Kirsten. And I think that's why Benedict stands out so much is because he's such a verbal actor. Right. That um, this part really gave him an opportunity to be. I mean, believe me, he's very verbal. <coughs> But it all that inner turmoil. Yes, yes. Everything. I think you weren't used to seeing that from him. Right. And and he's just very present in everything. Like when he's bathing and all that, his expression, right. his face, why right. he's doing all that stuff. Uh, he's great. He's I really like him as an actor. I uh, do too. Uh, but I always did. Go see the um watch the courier. It's on Prime. Yes. 
I, you've never seen it. No, I'm telling no, you but, to watch no, it. No, but I know. I'm telling people to watch um, it, too. I watched it on the flight home from Las Vegas, and I was like, this is such a good movie, and I don't know why. Oh, no, I watched it. Now I remember. The I one where it. he yes. was in Russia? Yes, yes, I watched it. You yeah. didn't watch it? Yes, I did. I watched it on TV. I'm not um, on TV on my computer. Rachel Brosnahan's in it. It's a really good movie that came out last year and just went nowhere, but... Um, it's just him being, he's always been good. I've never really had a problem with Benedict Cumberbatch as an actor. I've always found him enjoyable to watch. And he's really uh, broken out of that Sherlock sort of uh, box that he had been put in early in his career. So right. good for him. It is a fantastic movie. Jane Campion is amazing. I mean, you remember the piano. Um, of course. And it's interesting because uh, in an interview, she talks about that when she did the piano. She Everyone was talking about her. She was such a great actor, I mean, director back then. And then, you know, we stopped talking about her and she didn't make any movies for, for what, 20 years or something? Um, she did the TV series. Yeah. but like Top of the Lake and that. And it's very interesting. The whole, I wish I could find the interview. I, I don't remember, but she talks about about how mo- TV now is the thing. TV is a place to go to explore more or to be free. She right. she talks about how movies are still very conservative in in its in their creation process. You know how the studios and everybody are still very conservative when it comes to making movies, and that's why making that type of movie is so difficult. Uh, and I'm just glad she did. It, it's a beautiful movie. I can't it wait is a to beautiful see movie. again for the fourth time. So I love it. Um, yeah, uh, it's definitely up there uh, as it's in my top 10 of the year. Um, I should also add, we, we reviewed a couple of weeks back. Passing is in my top oh 10 my God, of the year. Passing. And so is Spencer. Yes. Um, so great. lately this podcast has just been doing all the movies we love. Because, We're going to have yeah. to criticize some of them. I know. Um, but, but anyway, those, those are our thoughts. So, mm-hmm. um, being the Ricardos, man, highly recommended. I know that we were coming down hard on it, but um, it's good. I would say enough... it's great, but it's good. Mm, I think it's great. I, I think it's, it's worth. There are parts that I can criticize, but I, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. It's more than good. Um, there are at least three uh, Academy Award worthy at performances in that film, so we, that's a great film, right? And we have more movies to talk about that you know you have to watch. Them. Yeah, but I let's have, not make any promises. No, let's not make any promise, but there are great movies uh, that I'd like to talk about. All later. right, then. So uh, until then, we'll be back next week with yes. whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desks. And in the meantime, take care of yourself. We love you. We mean it. Bye-bye. Bye.